0: let's bring in Hollywood divorce attorney, David Glass, for more on this, David. People going through divorces are going through some of the hardest times of their lives. And a lot of what they're going through is emotional. And in any divorce, there's a huge sense of loss and loss of relationship, of money, some friends. Here we are again for another episode of The Hourglass, where family law and psychology intersect. Once again, I'm David Glass, a certified family law specialist, former psychologist, and the author of Moving On, Redesigning Your Emotional, Financial, and Social Life After Divorce. And of course, I'm your host. As I mentioned during our last three episodes, more than 50% of all marriages or romantic partnerships fail. They end in divorce or uncoupling. I also mentioned that divorce is unquestionably one of the most traumatic of all life's negative experiences. That is why we want you to tune in for each Hourglass episode so we can help you get through this transition in a constructive and productive way. Today, we're gonna tackle the redesign of your social life. It's a touchy subject. Before we go any further on that, though, and before we talk to today's guests, let's do what we've done in the other episodes. Let's take a quick inventory as to whether you have made any headway in moving your social life forward so far. And when I say social life, I'm not just talking about dating. Let's first talk about your social circle in general and then I'll ask you to evaluate your dating life. Get something to take notes on. Here are the test questions. Number one, do you have all the same friends as you and your ex did? Number two, have you made any sensible changes in the people you pay or retain to service your home, finances, or social networks? Number three, how many new organizations have you joined? Number four, how many friends that you shared with your now ex-spouse do you still have since your split? Number five, Have you made a list of those prior contacts of yours and your exes that you feel comfortable around or who you trust? If not, list them. This'll take two columns. Number six, what bothers you most about your current and or your new social life? Number seven, what are you afraid of in charting a new social life? Number eight, have you made a list of what social contacts you would like to connect with as you build your new social life? And number nine, have you begun dating yet? Re-entering the dating scene, making some changes in your circle of friends and associates can be hard, but most people find it necessary to pivot and shift, whether it's finding a brand new venue, rather than continuing to frequent the local restaurant where you used to hang out with your buddies, gently cutting ties with couples you and your ex spent time with, and adding new contacts that will help you move forward that have nothing to do with your ex. Also, many find it necessary to shuffle business associates and vendors you and your mate became ever so familiar with, like your accountant, your family dentist, your banker, stockbroker, your nanny, your gardener, handyman, your banker, or your housekeeper. The list goes on. As you begin to chart your new social life, make a list of those new substitutions you think make sense. A gym membership is a good example. Maybe you should find a new workout place and a routine that's strictly yours. That list will get you started. Also, be mindful of time. It is precious, as I keep saying, and you want to be as expeditious in making these social changes as possible. You want to spend time on productive changes. Don't get bogged down in trying to make social relationships work that obviously can't. That includes trying to convince you and your ex's friends that their allegiance should be with you. Just as with the romantic relationship, maybe you've just outgrown them in this new chapter of your life. Maybe it's time to let go and make new friends, choose new business associates, change vendors and suppliers and sever your ties with those that keep you in the past. As you move forward socially, you may find some people in places no longer fit. Spend your time wisely. Budget it, just as you are now doing with your money and your grieving process. You only have so much of it. Before we meet our first guest, and since you have your writing utensil handy, computer, keyboard, or a pen, Let me also give you a checklist of items to consider and questions to answer regarding your dating life. One, if you're dating, how long has it been since you and your ex moved on? Two, have you done some therapy or engaged with a support group to help you through your divorce transition? Three, are you still addicted to your ex or have you let go emotionally altogether? Four, where do you go to meet new social prospects? Physical locations, online? Five, have you made a list of characteristics or traits of what you're looking for in a new mate? Six, what value system is mandatory in a new mate? Seven, what is your value system? Eight, have you worked on yourself to be a better partner going forward? To have you focus your mental energy in the right direction, I'd like to quote my father, who made this toast at my wedding. He said, every great marriage is based on two simple things. First, You need to find the right partner and then you need to be the right partner and if you manage to do both of those things you will have a marriage for the ages give that some thought as you begin to move forward in mapping out who you are as a good partner and who you wish to attract and be with before we begin to explore the subject of dating though i would like to introduce our first guest on the show today susan howington she's a change expert susan is with power connections career services In brief, she works with professionals and executives in transition with their careers. She has plenty to say about building a network, both professionally and personally. She understands what it means to have to create a whole new social environment at a time of significant life change. Now Susan, tell us a little bit about your background and the work you do at Power Connections. Thank you, David.
1: Um, I have a background in working with executives and people of all levels and professions. I've been doing this for over 20 years, and I'm in my sweet spot. I love it. I love to help individuals move from one spot in their life and their career to another, that other spot being the one that they want to land in. And the privilege that I have is I help them get there from one place, taking another step and another step to ultimately get to the place that they want to be.
0: Now, do you find with a lot of uh, your clients that they're, they're stuck? They're, they're sitting in a muddy puddle and they can't figure out how to get themselves out of it.
1: So many times a person is stunned by what's happened to them. And I think it's very similar to going through a divorce. You've been through so much and you've been blindsided by a lot of things. Right. A lot of things happen to you that you never expected would happen. Mm-hmm. And so when you lose your job, you never expect the things to unfold as they do. And so one can be very uh, exhausted, if you will, emotionally, uh, physically, and even sometimes financially, the impact can be very difficult. Yeah. Losing a job is complex, it's complicated. Not to mention
0: it affects your relationships. Sure, and that's where you come in. For sure, our identity uh, is sometimes heavily tied to the relationship we had with our partner or to our career. Mm -hmm. What steps do you have your clients take to start moving forward?
1: There are four things that I focus in on. And not everyone is ready for all four of these things, Mm -hmm. but ideally, the first thing we wanna look at is what's their script? How do they talk about themselves? Mm -hmm. Number two, we look at where do you wanna go? Who do you wanna meet? How are you gonna get where you want to go? The third thing is, is the person, I encourage people to be consistent and diligent with those steps. If you wanna meet certain people, go where those people are, be consistent, be there regularly. And then the the fourth thing is, we need to put our self-centered self aside. We've been through a lot. This, is, this time in our life is all about us, of course, right? And sometimes we're licking our wounds. Sometimes we're still regrouping emotionally, but we've got to put ourselves aside and learn how to be more outwardly focused
0: with other people. Right, and that just to focus on that last step, that um, looking outward and focusing on other people, mm-hmm. certainly the, the clients that I have in divorce, when they're going through the divorce, are completely self-contained in their focus. That's all they're thinking about is, how am I gonna get through this? How am I gonna pay that? When am I gonna get to see my children? Could you tell us more about that outward looking focus and how that Mm -hmm. helps people?
1: Yes, I'll tell you a little story. I had a a client, his name was Fred. Fred uh, was a CFO, very introverted gentleman, adorable man, very generous, uh, sweet, But when he started to go out to meet people, because he was looking for a job, of course, um, when he would introduce himself to people, he would say, welcome to my living hell. You must be out of work, too. And it would turn people off. Right. And so what we had to do is reprogram his the tapes going through his head, right. create that script for him so that right. he's very comfortable with introducing himself, but stop thinking about himself and how difficult his situation is right. and start to think more about the person that he's talking to and how can he create a bond What's the commonalities there. How can he maybe make a new contact for himself? It's hard to make a new contact when you're just
0: so you know wrapped up in your own story absolutely i could see him starting off with that opening line and and not getting any further with any of his conversations you no know, he's repelling people right yeah. instead of making himself approachable in terms of charting uh, a social or career direction what if someone is just at a complete loss they have no idea where they might want to go or where they could go what kind of help can you offer them
1: I've worked with a lot of women who have not only been through divorce but also have lost their jobs Mm -hmm. and sometimes they're curious, they're wondering about, I've always been so focused on helping others, I've always had careers where I'm helping other people. I mean, let's face it, I brought up my children, I served my husband, I helped him with his career. I want to start anew. Mm -hmm. And so... The first thing that I do with people is I want to give them permission to think about what do they really like to do? When were the happiest moments of their life?
0: Yeah.
1: And you have to give people permission sometimes because they've never allowed themselves to think about it. Yeah. And so you want to have a really honest conversation with yourself and tell yourself there's nothing off the table. Cancel any brain chatter that says that's ridiculous. Oh, no, don't. That'll never happen. Cancel that and allow yourself to have a conversation with yourself about what do I want to do? And are there positions in this? Are there places in the work world where I can do that? Chances are there is a position out
0: there. Right, and that process you describe of not Mm self-editing and not beating yourself up because you bring up uh, different ideas Mm -hmm. is a key step in in creative problem-solving. Yes. When when you're getting divorced and you've realized I've got a problem with X, Y, or Z, Mm -hmm. uh, I tell people the first thing you need to do is identify the problem, Mm -hmm. but the second thing is to generate as many possible solutions with the sky the limit until you've completely exhausted yourself right right
1: it's a wonderful process isn't it yeah and it frees people up it gives them freedom
0: that they've never had before and it excites most people right and and obviously uh, so you say I'm gonna become an astronaut and go to the moon Mm -hmm. it that doesn't come true for most people but the exercise of thinking of all the possible things you can do sure feels
1: good it does, and most people don't have these unrealistic right. expectations, right? They really start naming simple positions. I'd love to, be a fl- I'd love to work with flowers. Mm-hmm. I love meeting planning. I've always wanted to be a meeting planner. I want to, you know, I love the details. Yeah. That's
0: very doable for people, Sure,
1: but they never gave them, allowed themselves to think about it in the
0: past. Yeah, it's really about giving yourself permission A lot of us have built our social life around our work life. And if a person has decided on a brand new career direction, how do they make that work for them in terms of building a new social life in addition to figuring out a new work life? I've seen this happen many times. Once we know what
1: we want to do, and that's key, and you know that, David, in your work, helping people define what do you want out of this, right. right? Once they know what they want to do, then we need to map it out in terms of who do you need need to meet? Because meeting people is a big element of finding your next job. We have the internet, of course. Mm -hmm. We all apply online. But to get that job, many times it's who you know. You don't have to know them even well. It could be an acquaintance of an acquaintance. So we determine who do we need to meet? Um, where do these people go? For example, I mentioned a meeting planner or event planner. Yeah. There's the International Society of Event Planners, right? Mm-hmm. Who knew?
0: Right, right.
1: So maybe that group has monthly meetings. Mm-hmm. Go to the meetings. And back to one of the principles I mentioned earlier, be consistent, be diligent, show up more than once, right. show up a lot yeah. because as you become familiar you know, your face is familiar, you're more approachable from other, by other people's standards. Right. So know where you, who you should meet, know where those people go. And then thirdly, I love this because I know it happens. You can approach a total stranger and say, David, I love what you do. I've, I've read about you, I looked you up on LinkedIn, I've mm-hmm. seen you online, I know you've written a book, I know you've been interviewed on major TV can I buy you a cup of coffee or maybe schedule right. a 15 minute phone call with you and get your help and advice about how I can position myself for the career that you have? Yeah. Most people love to give advice. Yeah, sure. They love that when you ask them for their advice and input. In fact, they prefer that over you asking them to give you help. Mm-hmm. Because asking a total stranger to give you help makes them a little nervous, yeah. right? Yeah. But. You want my advice? Sure, I'd be happy to do that. You can buy me coffee or just let's schedule a phone call. Right. And by the way, by you expressing your interest in them, they take a personal interest in you. Right. And so, so it goes. The relationship starts to develop. Right. It's a wonderful thing what happens in the universe of networking when you, when you approach it from the heart and authentically.
0: Right, and then, and then the you know, common phrase I've heard is that givers get, so it's, it's giving get. something first and then the universe returns something Absolutely. to you. Maybe not right then, maybe not when you expect it, but at some point it comes around. And it may not come from the person
1: you think it's going to come from right. either, but it does
0: come around. Absolutely. Yeah. Like the end of a relationship, uh, an end of a job can also be devastating. What else can someone do to help themselves recover?
1: Recovery is not easy for some people, mm-hmm. right? Some people have a more difficult time than others. For my clients and people that I come across, I like to help them understand that that next great job, it's not a matter of if it will ever happen it's really just a matter of when Mm -hmm. and being out of work and that job search process it is such a journey with ups and downs and obstacles you know you've got your wins your victories and then the the areas where you might fail an interview where you didn't do well it's just a, a a journey of lots of different dynamics but it isn't a, a situation of if you were ever going to land that great job again, or will I ever land a job with a great company again? Will I ever have a good boss? Yeah. That's not the question. It's really, it's really about when it's going to happen. But it won't happen if we don't have a plan. For
0: sure.
1: You have to have a plan and you need to follow through mm-hmm. and do some of the things that we're talking about, you know, in this interview.
0: Yeah. Uh, What do you share with your clients to assure them that they will move through, that they will be able to get somewhere in their job search?
1: I've been doing what I do for a long time, Mm -hmm. and I've worked with a lot of people who are in a lot of different situations, and some of them are dire, seriously dire. But I've never seen anyone not make it through. Mm -hmm. If you're determined, if you... Uh, seek your coach, seek a coach and take their advice. If you um, keep yourself open and steadily move through the paces of this journey called job search, you're gonna get there. Everyone always does. It is not a matter of if, it's a matter of when.
0: Now Susan, what about couples uh, who who divorce uh, and they still own a business together? Do you have any advice for them boy that's a complicated one i would advise
1: them to maybe with a mediator sit down and determine really know who does what well Mm -hmm. and what role should they play in their business and then really stick to that the script of the casting of these roles, if you will. But it's difficult as we can imagine. But everyone needs to know whose role, what role they have in the business. And then, of course, each one needs to give the other the liberty to develop themselves outside of the relationship and bring in what they can to the Mm -hmm. business from their own exposure outside of the the marriage, if you will, because they're gonna make other contacts from a business perspective. So um, it's a difficult thing and it's a complicated question actually to even
0: give a simple answer to. Sure, sure. But I appreciate you giving it a shot. Mm -hmm. In any event, Susan, thanks. Uh, All your information was very helpful. I'm sure it was extremely helpful to our viewers. Uh, Where can our viewers find you?
1: You can find me at powerconnectionsinc.com Our business phone number is 949-387-5808.
0: Great. Thanks so much for
1: coming today. Thank you so much, David.
0: Our next guest today, Katie Chen from Catch Matchmaking is gonna talk to us about the dating scene. Katie has had 13 years as a matchmaker and plenty of experience introducing people to one another. Katie has a successful roadmap for people to follow as they redesign their social life as it pertains to dating. But first, Katie, Tell us what you know about dating today. Is online dating the way to go? Do you think people have to meet in person from the get-go?
2: That's a great question. I mean, the pandemic has changed things so much. I mean, online dating was the way to go before and it just completely exploded after 2020. I mean, let's face it, People are not going to knock at your door, the perfect guy, the perfect girl is not going to come knocking at your door, even if you are a great match. So how else are people supposed to meet? Online is a great resource, um, friends, just any kind of social gathering, as long as you don't have these crazy expectations about going out is a great way.
0: Interesting. I, uh, when I got divorced 13 years ago, I took some time off from the social scene, but yeah. when I got back. I was lucky enough to meet my now wife in a in a therapist waiting room and so I didn't have to do social uh, social media I didn't have to do a dating site or anything like that but most people I think aren't that lucky it's it doesn't come that easily
2: right and plus you know when people are no longer in college and they're not supposed to date at work well what else are they supposed to do and with the digital connection these days, even having eye contact at Starbucks is hard and it's just a big metropolitan city. So uh, people kind of just put their head down and they're not making the eye contact to have a spontaneous conversation. So online dating is definitely a, a great avenue. Um, we recommend it, but sometimes it can be kind of tiring because what are you supposed to do? Like what photos, what are you supposed to say in your right. bio? And, you know, it, it's, it's so much competition. It's much distraction. So then people might come to um, us and, and say, please, you take it off my hands and you guys do this for me because it's too much work. So many different ways, right. I think, should just turn over every rock that you can.
0: Right, actually, I actually have a funny story about that. I, had, I represented a, a man who, was, who got divorced, tried to go on online dating, but listed himself as an engineer, and it, all, all sorts of things that weren't very attractive or <laughs> enticing, and it was his ex-wife who rewrote his bio in yes. a way, and then he was able to start dating. It's a, an unusual situation. Uh, But it happens sometimes
2: yeah, because people don't know really how to market themselves That's a, a big issue and then you have the other type of person who's over Exaggerating all the good stuff, and I mean no one's going to put on their dating profile oh, you know, some days I just let it all go and I have pizza and beer and I don't want to talk to anybody, you know? So right. that part is, is, is not on there. They're always putting their best foot forward. And yeah. so it gets a little distracting and there's a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's kind of nice when you have an outsider who knows you well and is able to rewrite some things for you.
0: Right, in, in a quick fashion. How soon after a breakup should a person start actively looking to date again?
2: Oh my goodness. Okay. I know in your book, you refer to wait a year. Mm -hmm. And for us, we always say wait four seasons. So it's very similar. And the reason we say four seasons is because, well, you know, each season brings up these very triggering moments in time, like holidays and with holidays, there's these expectations that maybe you had with your ex or just with family, with maybe how you grew up and how you want your family life to be. Well, it gives everyone who's single and starting over um, an opportunity to see how they feel with each ongoing holiday or each ongoing season. And after a year, you kind of know, okay, those are my triggers. Okay, I need to work on those maybe, or maybe in the future when I'm looking for Um, a a potential partner, um, well, is celebrating Hanukkah exclusively important or can we celebrate Christmas too? Or, you know, what about Lunar New Year? What about all these things? Because at Catch we have a lot of um, cross-cultural matches too. So we always advise to clients, well, why don't you wait about four seasons to make a major commitment to see how you really fall in a lot of these categories that are very intimate in home life?
0: Sure. So Katie, what are some of the mistakes people often make when they're jumping back into the dating scene?
2: Okay, so that's an overarching theme that we see over 13 years working with clients. Most people tend to get into their own way. When they're working on their own or when they're just out there dating, they want so hard not to make previous mistakes. The same mistakes they've made, but most of them end up overcompensating. Mm -hmm. And if they have didn't have a lot of chemistry in their previous relationship because a lot of relationships end because there's not that much chemistry left right. to keep it going if everything else has um, also gone wrong. So they might be overly picky about looks and very stuck on certain things. It could be the cheekbones, it could be hair or no hair, it could be a few inches in height that's off. And right. so I know physical chemistry is important, but if people are really, really stuck on certain things, they're just getting in their own way. So that's probably like one of the biggest tangible mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other stuff is just basically not saying yes to dates because let's face it, dating is a necessary evil (laughs) to get to the right partner. Um, And so... They think if we just find them the right match, then everything's going to fall into place. Yeah. But in reality, you have to go and meet and see if the chemistry is really there. So I think those are two biggest, biggest things that keep people from basically working on that dating muscle. Right. If it gets rusty yeah. <laughs> and they're not out there meeting people, they're not going to discover this is the type of person I actually want. It's not what i thought in my head <laughs> yeah and so um they're really missing out and we always encourage people be more willing to go on a date but maybe be more discerning before making a long-term commitment
0: sure sure and i've told my i have two adult daughters yeah. uh, and i've told them that dating is about figuring out what kind of people you like and mm-hmm. what kinds of things you don't like yeah. Yeah. and eventually coming up with a list i uh Uh, If I had a list of what I was looking for when I was 25 and got married the first time Versus when I got married this time when I was 41 Mm -hmm. I don't think any of the, the the top 10 things would match at all.
2: Yeah. Yeah I mean people really need to get out and test out some theories and see how it's also a two way street, right? Dating is just not what you have in your own head and how yeah. you want things to flow, but it's a give and take. So it's it's perfect to go out there and test out what you believe um, is, is going to be a good partner for you. And then also how do people perceive you in reality? Yeah. So I think there's that fear sometimes that singles have too of discovering that mm-hmm. because they wanna to stick to the safe good old days <laughs> right. and they want to know what to expect next. So um, it is kind of scary to get back out there and, and sure. um, get some real world feedback. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it might be a rejection.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. So that's not too pleasant.
0: Yeah. How has the dating scene changed over the last couple of years?
2: Um, I would say it's, it's changed greatly. We've, we've all, I think as a whole, um, gone through a divorce in a sense, <laughs> uh, yeah. and what I mean by that is, is the old way of relating to each other with the pandemic um, really changed things a lot. Uh, most people were divorced from the old way of life, yeah. so what people knew as far as whether they even go into an office, whether they meet people in person, whether how they do their shopping um, is has changed entirely, and that has changed. Um, I think the way. It, people interact with each other and things are opening up. Mm-hmm. So take, for example, from your book, it was hilarious when you would leave work and you left your work life behind because you were singing and you were, I'm gonna get all the stress off. Well, that disappeared for everybody right. in 2020. When we coach our clients to go on dates, we tell them you get mentally ready by having these physical guideposts. Yeah. You leave physically your desk you go into your car you sit in traffic but hey that was at least your way to break away and say sure. my personal life's about to start you know i might be meeting yeah. someone for a cocktail or go to happy hour or a date that changes i think people's mindset mm-hmm. and how they appear on a date yeah but we lost a lot of that so now i mean we've had to retool and coach our clients to Now you need different physical guideposts. Uh, Maybe some people have taken up gardening. Mm -hmm. Maybe they've adopted a few houseplants. Maybe start watering those houseplants before you go out, before you put on your outfit, before you get on your makeup, before you shave, whatever it is, whether it's men or women, getting ready for a date. So I think people need to go back to recognizing that those established uh, pre-pandemic guideposts are no longer there. Mm -hmm. You need to come up with some new ones Um, to get back their mojo, so to speak. Otherwise, showing up on dates is is gonna be kind of like that same stress ball of you showing at home and bringing, kind of work home with
0: you. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Now here's a question uh, that I think a lot of our viewers would like to know the answer to. Do you think speed dating works?
2: Oh my goodness, speed dating is amazing. I mean, we did, a lot of our marriages did come from speed dating and here's why. Uh, Remember when I said people get into their own ways and one of the major ways they do is they just don't say yes to meeting. Well, with speed dating, um, if you think about it, you don't have that choice because you have to, at least our rule is, We try to get an equal amount of men and women to show up so that it's not lopsided and people aren't sitting there (laughs) um, talking too many breaks um so we, we we really try that because we think that if you at least get a few minutes with each other you can very quickly determine if you want a little bit more time with that person right doesn't mean you're gonna get married it just means maybe you'll end up getting a coffee together maybe you end up getting a drink together and um that kind of takes away the control from someone who may not, may be so easy to say no to a date. If I show them a photo and a profile, they're gonna say, I don't have chemistry. I'm not gonna go out. But if you're at speed dating, you have that couple of minutes to sit there and say, hey, I don't think I would have said yes, but I kind of like his laugh. So I'm gonna go out again. So that's, that's very valuable to at least uh, meet in person and speed dating facilitates that.
0: Very yeah. interesting, I hadn't thought about it that way <laughs> at all.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I think there was a, um, I can't remember his name now, but there's a, a, a rabbi and his wife who actually uh, coined speed dating. Oh. And um, the concept is that, Uh, In Jewish dating or the way he kind of interpreted how it should go is, is you shouldn't be um, necessarily sleeping with each other or having multiple, um, you know, relationships with each other in a dishonest way, but you should go and meet as many people as possible if you're seeking a long term relationship. And so I think sometime in the 90s, he'd like started speed dating, um, Mm. taking that concept from concept to reality. And and that was a a very inspirational book. Uh, We had done speed dating because our company thought it was something uh, we should do just because we're in the dating industry. But um, afterwards I discovered that it was actually a Jewish rabbi and uh, his wife who came up with that.
0: And what about these instant dating hookups, things like Tinder? Do, do these apps work or are they really for something else?
2: It really depends on the user. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, um, overall, I think apps support the concept that there are so many matches mm-hmm. um, because it's an algorithm and uh, they're dependent on having more users. So yeah. um, they do give, I think, singles the idea that there must be so many matches out there. And if I just look long enough, the right person will just pop up and I can make the right swipe and and, and I'll meet uh, the love of my life. But for some users, um, we've heard success stories because they use it as just another resource. Mm -hmm. Um, But for those who actually buy into the idea that, oh, I'm not too picky, I just need more matches and they subscribe to multiple different apps and they do so much online dating and they're so exhausted Um, and they're still married to the fact that it's just haven't found the right person.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, They're not really using the power of technology then.
0: Sure. They're just overloading themselves.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They're getting distracted and um, they're getting pickier. Right. (laughs) Because every photo is more and more perfect than the last. Right. Um, And with the pandemic, people have had time to really curate so much um, Mm -hmm. and work on their own brand, work on their own... um, instagram and everything like that that it's kind of up the ante with these apps so now you really have to look perfect but then i think it's so easy for singles to get sucked into that Mm -hmm. and have this idea in their head that i can't go out with somebody if they don't have like six perfect photos that means they must not be perfect because every angle has to be perfect right if the user's going about it that way, then it could be a real disservice. Mm-hmm. But if they're using it as just another resource, it's great. Meet each other to see if that's your speed dating match, so to speak. Right. So um, that's, that's kind of the, uh, the gist of, of what I think of Tinder.
0: What do you think the trends uh, in the dating scene, how are they gonna change in the next year?
2: I think many singles have become quite picky Um, after emerging out of the pandemic and having worked on themselves, um, and now seeing that there are so many dating opportunities, uh, many people want to hold out because they think, I've worked on myself, there's actually a lot of uh, singles who look really eligible on apps, they've become more picky. Um, But I do believe that many people, because they've worked on themselves, now that they've traveled now that they have gone and seen friends the whole change in the season that's coming up in the Mm -hmm. fall many people are going to realize you know what i'm still single i'm (laughs) wait a minute i have a lot more knowledge now that i've gained why am i still single i need to stop being so picky right i'm feeling that loneliness creeping in again things are slowing down um, done with travel, so I think that's gonna be the coming trend that we'll see, is that people will um, settle down a little bit more and be more willing to go out as the seasons change.
0: Sure, I think that's a great trend. In any event, the, uh, it, it's funny, when people meet me uh, and they learn that I'm a divorce lawyer, yeah. the first thing they say is, boy, I hope I never have to use your services. <laughs> Meeting you as a, a matchmaker, I'm happily married, I hope I never need <laughs> your services. But it sure was great meeting you today.
2: It was great talking to you, David. Thanks so much. Thank you.
0: You can meet people in all kinds of ways. I met my incredible wife a couple years after my divorce. Having been a psychologist, I had some knowledge about working through the process, not jumping in too fast to a new relationship without doing a considerable amount of work on myself. I asked myself the same questions I asked you a little while ago. It took some time for me to answer those questions, And that was a period in my life when it made perfect sense to take my time answering them. It wasn't wasted time. I was seeing a therapist to sort it all out. I had a standing appointment on Tuesdays, but one week I had rescheduled it for that Wednesday. I accidentally showed up an hour early for that rescheduled appointment. And there was this nice-looking woman seated in the waiting area, which I found odd because therapists always stagger their appointments so people have the privacy that they need. I used to do the same thing when I was a practicing therapist. But there she was. We began chatting. Suddenly our therapist appeared, and I quickly learned that I had shown up too early. Although it was unusual, I let my therapist know I was interested in her. And long story short, we both expressed the same interest. I soon looked her up on her business online profile right before the weekend, and I sent her a long message. At first, she didn't respond. I figured she wasn't interested then the following Monday at about 10 in the morning she explained in a return email that she never checked her email over the weekends and she apologized for the delay she also said she felt a spark as well I was so overwhelmed I didn't even know how to respond and instead I got in my car and drove over to her business I called her from the street right in front of her store now all of this was very unusual for me to do I asked if she wanted to grab something to eat and she happens to work at a restaurant and we sat down and uh, started talking, had some lunch, and things progressed from there. Serendipitous, I know, but sometimes things like that happen. Rather than waiting for someone to just fall into your life, you have to be proactive. Like Katie explained, you have to make the effort to connect to others by putting yourself out there. Work on yourself, wait until you're ready, and make sure you understand what you truly want and need. Also, don't hide or become a recluse. You need social interaction and support. We all do. Seek out new friends and associates. Sure, maybe you're not ready to date, but you still need to interact with others during your off time from work. Take up a new hobby. Vow to make at least one new connection each week. Look up old and long lost friends. Call on those who are actively in your life more often. Dating is not a one size fits all. Find the most comfortable way to move into a new social life. A method that feels right to you, whether it's online dating, attending more mixers and social events, or even asking for introductions from friends. They all have friends, but again, the most important thing to consider when redesigning your social life is that you're ready to do so. Sure, there are lots of choices for doing just that, but make sure you use your time wisely. Let's close out today's show like we always do, with a little humor. Today we have comic Brent White, a happily married guy but he has this to say about what he most fears if he were to get divorced and how he worries about recreating his social life.
3: Brent? That's right. Um, first of all, social life, yeah, that would, that's gonna be something to talk about. But first, I worry about my cat. Mm-hmm. Because uh, my wife, she takes care of everything with the cat. There's appointments, there's pills to take, there's all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea. You know, I love my cat, but she already said, like, if we get a divorce, like, you're getting the cat. So I'm like, you know, every time it gets, uh, you know, scratches the carpet or does something bad, it's always my cat, right? right. So also, um, my, I worry about my finances because, uh, you know, most people think like, oh, you know, my wife spends all my money, but it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. I would spend all my money without my wife. Right. Um, she controls everything like if I go to the gas station and buy like a piece of gum she'll she'll text me did you buy a piece of gum in the gas station <laughs> and I'm like oh, yeah but here's the problem that's a good thing because I give I can't keep money in my wallet i will give it all away mm-hmm. I give it to like the girl scouts I give it to some soccer fundraiser I give it to a homeless person it's gone so I'm a little worried about that too that that would be gone also fashion I'd have to hire like a fashion person because mm-hmm. I can't go out there into the world without my wife telling me what to wear, right? Right. Just the other day, she didn't really notice it and I walked out, I had my my shirt on inside out at work for like half the day. Right. Nobody noticed it. So, uh, you know, it's always a question. It's always like, are you gonna wear that? Are you gonna wear that with that? Are you gonna wear those shoes? You're gonna tuck that shirt in? So I'm just like, I don't think I could do it without her.
0: Now, uh, what's the one piece of advice you would give someone who's divorced and is in need of recreating a social life
3: oh wow i would say definitely play a lot of pickleball yeah <laughs> yeah. play some pickleball go out and uh you know ah, it's, it's tough though because everything's on tech everything's you know i don't know if you're going to use the goggles and people are going to start doing that in their own little rooms yeah yeah the, uh, what is that stuff called virtual reality right? right um i i don't have too much good advice for that other than just uh you know get out and uh get active and just start seeing people and and uh maybe supermarkets always good um (laughs) you know
0: great good advice good thoughts thanks so much for being with us today appreciate it thanks for having me as you know i like to close the show by assigning you a song to listen to one that makes you think about the value of time today is no exception as we think of our social circle we want to think about how valuable time with real friends can be so think about enjoying the socialization with true friends as you move through to the next chapter of your life. Though your marriage may be over, many of your friendships aren't. Pull up a few songs from your playlist, old or new, and listen to the words. Today they may have extra meaning to you. Some of my choices for you are, I Get By With A Little Help From My Friends by The Beatles, You've Got A Friend by Carole King and James Taylor, That's What Friends Are For by Burt Bacharach and Carol Bayer Sager. Stand By Me by Ben E. King. And Count On Me by Bruno Mars. Even You've Got a Friend in Me by Randy Newman. Spend some time listing your favorite songs and your most trusted friends. It will be time well spent and likely very comforting and soothing. Well, that's it for another episode of The Hourglass. Tune in next week. In the meantime, use your time wisely